right, I'm Chris Avina with American Outdoor News. Today's guest, we have John LaCourt from Track Optics. John, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Chris. John, now, you've been in the industry a long time. Uh, you started at Nikon designing scopes, binos, optics. Yeah, I uh, started with Nikon in 1999, uh, and I was the senior product marketing manager uh, up until 2014. So I handled all of the product development uh, for rifle scopes, binocular spotting scopes, and rangefinders, and then uh, also helped with the, the marketing and advertising. Now, they uh, uh, would strip down the models that you would design for cost and, you know. Yeah, basically, you know, Nikon's a, a very large company, um, you know, mostly known for cameras. And uh, unfortunately, they started to kind of um, really kneel down for the anti-hunters and basically got completely out of the rifle scope business. They, they still sell binoculars and spotting scopes and rangefinders, but yep. they, they really started making decisions that, you know, really kind of allowed me to see the writing on the wall and the direction the company was going. They really just didn't want to have anything to do with hunting or shooting or firearms. So, you know, that allowed uh, my partner, John Allen, who also worked for Nikon, you know, we, we left the company and basically decided, you know, decided to start tracked um, with the goal of, you know, providing a high end product uh, that's sold direct. So we don't sell through any of the retail stores. Okay. Uh, and the reason for that is, you know, the retail stores these days, they're they're not making the same amount of money they used to make on firearms or on ammunition. So where mm -hmm. they're making it up is on accessories. Uh, and one of the big cash cows for them is optics. That's an area of the industry where dealers are making more than they ever have been before. So the markup on scopes and binoculars today is greater than it was considerably when I started the company. Um, so by selling direct, what we're eliminating is that middleman. We sell uh -huh. directly to you. We cut out that retail markup. And what that allows, um, we can build a high quality product without that markup price. Mm -hmm. So in essence, what the consumer is getting for their money is quite a bit better of a value than they would with our competitors again because of that markup and you know that markup can go anywhere between 30 to 50 percent that's a big number you know it, it is in the scheme of things obviously you know in in the um the economy and in the lifestyles we live everything is getting more and more expensive uh -huh. and what was happening um because the dealers would come you know, to Nikon and, and these other big manufacturers and continually ask for more profit every year, the, the only way to make the numbers work was to start to reduce the quality, cut features in mm -hmm. order to get the numbers to work because you can't change your, your retail price. Otherwise, then you're not competitive. Yeah. So if, if the big box stores and the dealers are coming to you every year and saying, hey, I need another 2%, I need another 3%, well, after a handful of years, you can't absorb that anymore. And yeah. it has to come from somewhere. And, and unfortunately, that's what's happening with a lot of the big brands is the quality is just not what it used to be yeah. because of the pressure that they're receiving from these big box stores in order to, again, make the numbers work. Now, I remember when you launched and Tracked actually hit the marketplace. I mean, that's a huge undertaking. What made you actually step out and start Tracked Optics? Um, honestly, some faith in God. 
to be to be quite <laughs> frank um because yes it's a very saturated market um but you know we had all the right contacts we knew the suppliers um and it, it was while it was a big undertaking we knew the business you know we had been doing yep. it for a very long time um and knew the ins and outs um what was new to us was being direct being a direct to consumer brand mm -hmm. and, and e-commerce um, because everything is, you know, all of our products are sold through our website. We do, you know, quite a few sh consumer shows around the country. Yep. But for the most part, you're not going to walk into a, a big box store or a mom and pop dealer and see our product. Um, we just don't operate that way. We only sell through our website. So th there's a lot of challenges with, uh, you know, from a consumer standpoint, you know, purchasing online is is a challenge because you can't touch and feel it you can't look through it and yeah. that's something that a lot of consumers need to do uh you know in order to make a purchase decision however you know we offer a 30-day guarantee so if you buy the product and you're not happy with it for any reason return it and you get a refund so there's no risk for the consumer to, to buy online yeah uh, so yeah but you know what you, you're still seeing companies pop up in the optic industry it's not you know, there's a, a lot of competition, but there's still room for more. And you're really taking a, a, a pretty firm foothold in what you do. Yeah, you know, it's amazing how many actual optics companies are out there. And like you said, they're they're popping up all the time. And, you know, each one of them kind of tries to fill their own niche. Yep. You know, for us, the niche is the direct-to-consumer model. You know, when we started the company, we were really very hunting focused. Um, today, a big part of our business is long range shooting. It's the fastest growing segment in shooting mm -hmm. sports right now. And uh, yeah, long range rifle scopes. We just introduced a, a new scope last week that we're really excited about. That's going to provide a tremendous amount of elevation adjustment. So these guys that are shooting rim fires at, you know, two, three, four, five hundred yards, they're running out of elevation. So this scope is going to accomplish, you know, the, solving the problem that they they had. You know, uh, just a, a friend of mine the other day took one of our samples and he he got out to five hundred fifty yards with the twenty two long. Wow. Range. So, you know, um, PRS, ELR competitions are, are, you know, rapidly growing, but they take a lot more room, you know, to have a, a thousand or 1500 yard range. Whereas with these rimfire events, you can get a, a really good course of fire under 500 yards. So it's a little easier. It's a little easier on your wallet with the cost of ammunition. So, um, yeah, the, the, it's exciting because this one scope hits three very separate categories the the long range center fire guy the long range rim fire guy and the precision air gunner because it yeah. has a parallax that dials all the way down to 15 yards now your your product line and the amount of SKUs that you're currently carrying has grown tremendously uh since your inception um it's not just scopes it's it's um binos you have uh, range finders as well right yeah, we don't have range finders yet, but but we have a full line of binoculars. Uh, and we have right now we have one spotting scope, but we're going to be adding three more in the uh, August or September time frame. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so, yeah, we definitely are continuing to grow, you know, the product line. Um, obviously, range finders, uh, binocular range finder are things that we get asked for constantly. And they're definitely on our radar. Um, much more challenging a product to develop just because of uh, costs. Yeah. Um, 
patents. Uh, there's limited, you know, subcontractors. And one of the things that we've really um, tried to do was have our products made mostly in Japan with some of the Rimfire and AR models being manufactured in the Philippines. We don't have any of our optics made in China. And that's, that's by design. Really good to hear. Yeah, that's that's by design. However, yeah. the drawback of that is it limits us because when you look at things like dot sites, reflex sites, range finders, uh -huh. they're almost all manufactured in China. So, you know, that's the, the, the kind of thing that you're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place because you don't want to support, you know, the, that particular country. But at the same time, if you want to be in that segment of the market, it's it's kind of unavoidable. So that's a challenge that we're continuing to, uh, you know, try to uh, try to work on. Well, with today's political climate, I, I think you're in a, a strategically better position than a lot of the other optics companies. Not to get into a political discussion about oh. it, but I, I think you're positioned pretty well. Yeah, and, and honestly, that that kind of goes back to where John and I came from. You know, Nikon was a great company to work for, um, great people, a great product. Um, but, you know, they uh, they were very concerned about the political atmosphere as mm -hmm. far as hunting and shooting. And, you know, instead of just, you know, staying kind of neutral, they, they decided to basically get away from that. And, you know, for me yeah. personally, that was a very big issue because, you know, hunting is part of my heritage. It's, it's not just a hobby. You know, my grandfather came here from Italy in the early 1900s. And the first thing he did was buy property upstate. So his sons, my father and uncle could hunt and fish and, and, and learn the outdoors. And mm -hmm. so, you know, that was passed down to me from my father and uncle, and I'm passing it down to my son. So it, it's part of what we do as 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 people. It's not sure. just a just a hobby. So to, it's a lifestyle. to, to yeah, to have to make decisions of of you know getting away from the, the the your passion was, you know, one of the reasons that you know allowed us to basically make the move that we did. And you know, thankfully we uh we're in a great place right now. Well, I mean, you, the knowledge that you have is you really could, can't put a price on. Uh, for somebody that is actually going to buy a scope um, for hunting, how do they choose what's right for them? The the reticles, the the powers. How do? What does it mean? And how do they choose what's right for the game that they're hunting? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that that. I recommend is is that you do as much research as you possibly can. There's a lot of great information on the internet. However, there's a lot of misinformation on the internet. You have to be very careful. No, there's a, <laughs> if you read it on the internet, it's got to be right. <laughs> yeah, there there's you know um, there's a lot of good forums out there, and there's some forums out there that have people that are you know very opinionated, and and unfortunately opinion is not always fact and most mm -hmm. of the time you know th there's people that may have an axe to grind against a company for whatever reason you know what you need to do is you, you need to do your research you need to talk to people go to the range talk to people at the range you know call up companies like us we're more than happy to help you um, to make the right choice you know we're available as much as possible you can call us you can email us we have a live chat on our website um 
you know, you need to you need to get the information to someone that could help you make the right choice. Uh, you know, we see it all the time. There's customers that, you know, they deer hunt in the northeast, you know, in thick timber and they're looking to buy a 30 power scope. Um, that just doesn't make a lot of sense. Is it you know, is it a, is it? 100% wrong. There is no wrong or right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you have that scope set on 30 power and, uh, you know, a deer walks out at 50 yards, you're going to have a very hard time making that shot. So that's okay. not the, you know, that wouldn't be what we would consider. I know that's a very, um, you know, you know, wide analogy, but, you know, that's the kind of thing in making the right choice magnification. A lot of times, especially in hunting, you know, too much magnification can get you in trouble because if you have the scope set too high and you have too close a shot or even a mid-range shot, sometimes the magnification being so high, you have a hard time finding the animal in the scope. You know, most of the time you have a few seconds and, mm -hmm. you know, if your equipment is not set up right, you could lose that opportunity just because you don't have the right optic. Um, well, what exactly does it mean to have a 30 power scope? What is the 30 power? So when you look at, you know, magnifications, whether it be a binocular or a rifle scope, a binocular usually has two numbers. So 10x42, 10 by 42. Yep. The first number is the magnification, 10, 10x. When we say 10x or 10 power, that basically is magnifying your human eyesight mm -hmm. 10 times. So if you were to look through a 10 power binocular at 100 yards, it would make what you're looking at appear as if it was 10 yards away. So it's magnifying 10 times. The higher that number, the more it's going to magnify. So if you have a, a 12 and a half power binocular, it's uh -huh. going to bring what you're looking at even closer. Now, the thing to keep in mind is, you know, there's something called the optical triangle. And what that means is any time that you increase one or more variables within the optical design, you compromise the other. And the three categories are magnification, field of view, and eye relief. So if you increase magnification, you're bringing what you're seeing closer to you, you're shrinking how much you actually see. Uh -huh. so if I take an eight power binocular, I'm going to have a much wider field of view than a 15 power binocular. But that 15 power binocular, as long as I can hold it steady, might allow me to see detail better at longer ranges. Okay. Um, when it comes to a rifle scope, you know, fixed power rifle scope were very popular when I started hunting. Today, they're like non-existent. Pretty much all rifle scopes are what are called a variable. So, for example, a 3 to 9 by 40. That means the rifle scope goes from 3 power to 9 power. The mm -hmm. second number is your diameter of the objective. So the higher those numbers, obviously, the higher the magnification. An example okay. would be a, you know, a 4 to 20 power versus a 4 to 12 power. Those are completely different optical designs. One 4 to 12 is a three-time ratio. A yeah. 4 to 20 is a five-time ratio. So more and more scopes are being developed with larger ratios, which just makes them more flexible because that allows you to use that scope for more and more applications. Okay. Now, um, what about um, mounts? Does it matter how you mount your scope? Is yeah. that going to affect how uh, it performs? Yeah. So I, I could tell you, 
um, being in the business as, as long as we have, the number one issue with rifle scopes is customers over tightening the scope rings. Mm-hmm. You know, just as, as humans, when you try to tighten something, you try to tighten it as much as you possibly can. Yep. That is not what you should be doing with rifle scope mounts. Because what happens is the rings that hold the tube, if you tighten them too much, they're actually compressing on the tube. The tube itself has an erector assembly inside which controls your magnification. It controls the elevation and windage adjustment. It controls your parallax if you have a side parallax. So by compressing the tube, you are really throwing a monkey wrench into the entire optical design and mm-hmm. it will not function properly. It won't hold zero, it won't track. And you know, we we hear it all the time where people say, hey, you know what? My, my, my scope is not tracking, can you check it out? Well, the first question we ask is what are you torquing the rings to? And by torquing, we mean you should be using a torque wrench uh, not just the standard screwdriver. And the reason is because you, with a regular screwdriver, you don't know how tight you're actually making those ring screws. Sure. And again, compressing that tube, you can you can have the highest quality rings that are made. If you're over tightening them, it's going to compromise the internals of the scope. You know, we recommend 18 inch pounds. That is a is a torque value that's going to hold your scope in place. It's not going to compress the tube and uh, allow that scope to function the way it should. So there's a hell of a lot more to take into consideration than just buying a scope and slapping yeah, it on. I your mean, you know, it's gun. it's not it's not mounting a scope is not rocket science, but it's a little more detail than just tightening some screws. Um, you know, tightening things evenly is really important because if you're putting unnecessary pressure on one side of the tube, again, the same thing is going to happen. Um, you know, again, there's tolerances in your rifle receiver, a tolerance in the base, a tolerance in the ring, and a tolerance in the scope itself. So you have four different tolerances coming together. Uh-huh. And, you know, sometimes, you know, people will say, hey, I can't, I can't zero the scope. You know, I, I don't have enough windage and elevation adjustment. Well, I can tell you, most scopes, regardless of the manufacturer, usually have plenty of adjustment to get you zeroed. If, if you're running out of elevation or windage adjustment, chances are it's not the scope it's your mounts something Uh is causing that scope to be misaligned with your barrel and it's not allowing the amount of adjustment that the scope has to really be used properly so you know buying a good quality mount um, having someone who really knows how to do it mount it for you if you're not familiar with it obviously any gunsmith can do it um but again if you buy you buy a torque wrench there's we've got tons of videos on our website how to mount the scope you know follow directions take your time don't be in a rush and mm-hmm. you can certainly do it yourself but it's got to be done properly or it will affect the performance how do you protect your products you know if you're you know you you got it mounted you're going on a hunt um Sometimes it gets thrown off. (laughs) Yeah, we offer, um, I mean, to protect the lenses, we offer either Tenebrex tactical tough covers or Butler Creek covers. Uh, The Tenebrex covers are something that are used by a lot of the elite military forces. Um, They basically, they thread into the objective so they won't fall off. Um, They snap all the way back so they don't 
flap during recoil. A uh, very high quality product. Um, we're right in the process of developing the neoprene scope coat type cover, uh -huh. which a lot of hunters like, and even the you know the competition shooters like. Um, so we should have that out, uh, you know, towards the latter part of the summer. Um, you know, the the thing about um, you know scopes is they are built to be durable. You know, don't forget they're they're designed to withstand recoil. So, you know, our scopes are all built to withstand 1,000 G of recoil, which is greater than virtually any center fire cartridge generates. And that's including the 50 BMG, the 458 lot, you know, these monstrous cartridges that have a tremendous amount of recoil. Our scopes are actually being used on them today with no problem. Uh, you know, most scopes are built very, very well today. It's not like it was, you know, 30 years ago. Um, so they're, they're built to withstand, you know, the elements. All of the scopes, are, uh, our scopes are waterproof and fogproof. They're argon gas filled, which uh, argon has a higher resistance to temperature changes versus the nitrogen that's okay. commonly used in a lot of other scopes. It's more expensive, but it adds that extra, you know, layer of protection, you know, plus the argon molecules themselves are larger than nitrogen molecules. So if you do have some type of an issue and a leak, it'll take a lot longer for the argon to dissipate versus the nitrogen. Yeah. So have you, um, come out with any new products for this year that people should really take a closer look at? Yeah, we just last week launched a, a new Toric 34 millimeter rifle scope. You know, this is a rifle scope that's designed for, you know, long range shooting. Um, you know, however, a lot of guys shooting like I personally use that scope on a rimfire. Uh, to shoot 50-yard, um, you know, bench rest competition. You know, the bullseye that we're shooting at is, you know, slightly larger than the diameter of the 22 bullet. So that high magnification really allows you to place the the crosshair precisely. Um, it's, you know, it's a 34-millimeter tube, so it's a larger scope, but that's what's required in order to get that elevation range. Um, this scope mm -hmm. has 160 MOA of adjustment, which also translates into 47 milliradians. Um that's just a tremendous amount of adjustment. Uh, it, it's right up there as best in class with that magnification range and that level of adjustment. So, you know, if you're someone that's shooting long range and you're running out of adjustment, this is definitely a scope to take a look at. Um, yeah, we're really excited about it. It's a little more compact than our other 34 millimeter. Um, but uh, yeah, we've had a, a bunch of people testing it over the last few months and, you know, the results have... Uh, been really really impressive well i've seen you shoot and uh, <laughs> uh you you have to shoot often to to be that precise you know um i've been very fortunate to you know have been around some people that really know what they're doing and, and i've been able to learn from them and the the number one thing that I've learned about shooting is it's a perishable skill. Mm -hmm. it, you know, it's not like riding a bike. You could, you know, you could go 20 years without riding a bike, jump on it and you're going to ride. Yeah. You could fire the gun after 20 years, but if you're going to 
continue to be at the top of your game in shooting, you have to shoot often. Um, I honestly try to shoot every weekend. Obviously, you know, that's not always possible, but, you know, I, I, I love shooting. It doesn't matter whether I'm shooting a bow or shooting a rimfire or shooting a shotgun or shooting centerfire. You know, yep. this, this past weekend, you know, my local club had a 100 and 200-yard bench rest centerfire match. They had a 50-yard rimfire match. Uh, that was on Saturday, and then Sunday, me and my son went out and shot trap. So, you know, uh, yeah, we we love it, and you you definitely have to continue to shoot to try to you know maintain. And you know, I'm I'm always looking to improve. You know, that's why we shoot for score, is because if you're shooting for score and you're keeping track, you can see you know how you did versus you know prior you know your shooting events so um yeah yeah it's uh it's not much more that uh to say about that you know obviously shooting is also very much a mental game and you know i i've seen really good shooters and it's happened to me when you know when your mind is just not there or you're you're upset about a shot you made if you can't block that out you can't maintain a good mm -hmm. mental position you know, you're you're just not gonna have a good day, and and that's happened to me more times than I I care to to mention. You know, it's it happened Sunday shooting trap. You know, I I, I missed an easy target, and I was frustrated. And you know what? Instead of getting back to what I'm supposed to be doing, I was frustrated. I missed the next target. So you know, yep. that's the kind of thing. A mental game is extremely important, and and repetition. You know, and I know it's tough. You know, shooting has gotten to be a lot more expensive today than it was just a handful of years ago. But, you know, that's why you look at things like Rimfire that's, you know, less expensive and, you know, do what you got to do to get yourself out there. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with archery. Yeah, it's a diminishing skill. Yeah. Uh, we've shot together and yeah. you, you see when I don't practice. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, obviously archery, it takes a, a completely different level because there's, there's more of a physical component, you know, holding the bow, drawing the bow. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think I told you, you know, I've been drawing between 71 and 73 pounds um, since I'm 15 years old, but, you know, I've got three herniated discs in my neck. I cannot draw the weight that I used to. And yeah. you know, that's, that's a little bit frustrating because I keep having to lower my draw weight and um, it's just not what it used to be. But, you know, that's, that's a part of, uh, you know, getting old and, you know, I'm glad I could still draw the bow and shoot it. Hey, 50 pounds still gets the job done. It sure does. But uh, all right. So what do you have coming up next for us? Um, you know, we're going to be doing a lot of shows. Uh, we did a lot of shows in the beginning part of this year. Um, we're going to be hitting some of the PRS and NRL events. Um, we're going to be down in Texas at the Texas Trophy Hunter Show, um, all three of them. There's one in um, Houston, uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, and San Antonio. Um, you know, trying to just get out there and, uh, you know, allow people to get their hands on the product. And, you know, we're always got stuff on the drawing board. There's always new products that we're, you know, trying to develop and you know feedback is really important to us so you know if yep. you've got an idea you want to throw at us send us an email or give us a call chat with us online you know the the more information we get you know the, the better you know we're not a couple of guys that sit in a room and just 
you know, try to throw something at the wall and see what sticks. You know, from, from the minute we launched the product line, we've been all ears from our customers. And that's what's really allowed us to go in the direction that we have because of what people were saying, hey, you got to you gotta do this. You got to build this. And, and you know, in, in moderation, we can't obviously build everything everyone asks for because sometimes there's things that, you know, might be a great concept, yeah. but it's just not something that sells like you know we still we get people asking hey why don't you build a fixed four power scope well we can build a fixed four power scope it's not that we can't do it it's just that there's not a demand enough for it to really even warrant you know yeah. us taking the time to do the research the development you know actually tool the product build the product and then it sits in inventory so you know it and that's us you know, and yeah. people say, you know, all the time, well, you're a new company and whatnot, but take a look, you know, if there's a product you want built and, and nobody's building it, there might be a reason. <laughs> and that reason <laughs> might be because it just doesn't sell. You know, yeah. I mean, there's tons of other brands out there that can easily build a fixed power scope. But again, it's just, it's just not, it's just not something that sells. So, you know, that's don't make money sitting part. on the shelf, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's the hard part because I grew up using a fixed four power scope. So I, I know how, you know, how great a scope it is, but you know, if nobody's going to buy them, then it really doesn't make a lot of sense for us to build them. Exactly. So where can we um, find your scopes if we want to buy something or even explore your product line? Yeah, so the, the website is trackedoptics.com, T-R-A-C-T, optics.com. Um, honestly, if you Google us, you'll you'll come up with us. We've got a YouTube channel. Our website's got a ton of videos. All the product information is there. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, obviously we're on social media. We're on Facebook, um, Instagram. Um, so, yeah, come do the research, look us up, and uh, – yeah, we're we're there to help. How'd you come up with the name track? You know, there's really not a um an actual like a, a plan behind it. It's just a name that we thought sounded good, sounded different, you know, related to, you know, a large expanse of land, you know, the the word track obviously scope tracking um it, it's just something we came up with that we thought sounded cool and and different um you know a lot of scope brands are named after a person mm -hmm. or you know the founding person and since john and i are co-founders it really didn't make sense to use one of our names and uh so yeah we just thought it was a cool name that would stick well it works it definitely uh it, it defines your brand thank you all right. Well, we appreciate you coming on, taking the time to speak to us today. Uh, definitely go to trackedoptics.com. Check out the brand. You really will not be disappointed. Thank you, Chris. All right. Thanks again, John. I'll speak to you again soon. Take care. Bye-bye. We love our children. We protect them. We guide them. We prepare them for life in the world. With all that we do, from deep in our hearts, we cannot control all things. Life-threatening illnesses and disabilities affect far too many of our children each year. While we cannot change the circumstance, we can make dreams come true. Dreams to provide hope, to provide spiritual healing and strength, 
to provide moments of happiness and relief in the hardest of times. We can give a glimmer of light and hope in a time of darkness and despair. Join huntofalifetime.org to help make dreams come true, to provide hope for children with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nonprofit organization fulfilling dreams for hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Visit huntofalifetime.org to learn how you can make a difference.